morning's message comes from 2 Chronicles 18. We're going to study the life of Jehoshaphat. This is a message called Convicted of Living for Jesus. Jehoshaphat lived for Jesus. He lived for God Almighty. He was a godly king. And there's many, many, many parts to his story that are so encouraging. So if you've got time this week, study him out. But I want to just focus in on one of his stories from 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 1, says this. Now, Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. Some years later, he went down to see Ahab in Samaria. Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people with him and urged him to attack Ramoth Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will join you in the war. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. Now there's, there's a good picture here that I hope you're seeing. It's a, it's a picture that I want to see done in your life and in this church. I want, I'm going to constantly encourage you, and it's going to be my prayer for this church, that you have opportunities to be around ungodly people. And that's exactly what we have here. We have a godly king who is serving God, who is desiring to please the Lord, and he's experiencing the blessings of God in his life. And he's around an ungodly king. We studied that last week. We went over how evil Ahab was in his life. And Ahab was very evil. And if you continue to read this story, it was a story that I shared with you last week, how evil he was. How he didn't want to hear from anybody that he was the king of Israel. He was in charge of his life. He didn't want to take instruction from anybody. He didn't want to take direction from anybody. He wanted to rule and reign in his life. God had given him the gift of power. God had given him the gift of leadership. And Ahab took that gift for himself. And he used it for selfish reasons. He had no desire to give God the glory. He had no desire to use these gifts for God's glory and his honor. He didn't want to seek anybody's permission. If he wanted to go to war, he was going to go to war. He was going to determine when they went to war, and he didn't need God to get in his way. And so we see here that Ahab, if you keep reading the story, you know, he, he gave in, but he didn't really want to give in. His, his nature, his mode of operation was just to do what he wanted to do. Just like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were given a, a directive from God. You can eat anything. You can have everything in this garden, but just don't eat from this tree. You can have all of it. All of it is you, for, for your enjoyment, for your pleasure. You can have it all. I've made it for you. I've designed it for you. I've given it so that you can enjoy it, and I've given you a helpmate to enjoy it with. It's all there for you. You just can't eat from this one tree. Eventually, Adam and Eve were deceived, and they were tempted. And they just had to, the Bible says that they saw that the fruit of that tree was good. It was, it looked good. And so they disobeyed God. They took the authority. They took ownership. God had given them the garden. And he says, you can enjoy it because you are a steward. But this tree, 
This tree symbolizes that you are a steward. This tree symbolizes that I'm the owner. I've made this. I've made the garden. I've made you. I've made it all. And this tree is a constant reminder that I own it all, but I'm allowing you to steward it. I'm allowing you to enjoy it. The moment that Adam and Eve took part of that fruit, they said, no, we're the owners. No, we're going to take control. God, we reject your ownership, and we're going to become owners of our own life. God's warned them. He said, the day that you take ownership of your life is the day that you die. The day that you take on the, the ability to have ultimate control over your life, that is the day you will die. And that is exactly how what took place in Ahab's life. Ahab was given, he was given a great responsibility. He was given great privilege as the king. He did have the privilege of having an army. He did have a great privilege of ruling the land. But God was the owner. He was in control of his of that kingdom. But Ahab did not want to recognize that in his life. He wanted to take it for himself. And so Ahab took it for himself, and this gift that God had given to him, he used it for his advantage, and it became evil, and it led to pain, and it led to sorrow, it didn't lead to life, it led to death. That's what took place. Now, last week we talked a little bit about money, and money is a gift from God. Money is a gift that God gives to us, but we must recognize that God is the owner of our money. And that's why tithing is a biblical principle that we use, because tithing is just like the tree. Remember the tree was just, it was just one single tree, but it was a constant reminder, God owns it all. You can enjoy it all, but just remember who owns it. And that's what tithing does. Tithing says, God, you, you, you own all of this money. Thank you that you allow me to use it and to enjoy it and to go here and go there with this finances. But I'll never forget, Lord, I'm going to write this check. I'm going to write, I'm going to give in this off because I'm never going to forget you own it, not me. The moment you take ownership of your money is the moment your money starts turning into something bad. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So money, in one instance, is a great gift that God gives to us, and what a beautiful gift it is. And yet the Bible says that very gift that we have, that very thing that we can use to bless others, that very thing that we can use to bless these boys in Africa, that very thing that we can use to bless our families, that very thing that we can use to bless ourselves, if you begin to love it, if you begin to take ownership of it, it produces all sorts of evil. This gift becomes ugly. It becomes something that's painful. A gift is a horrible transformation that takes place in our life. And we need to guard the gifts God gives to us. God has given us the gift, uh, many gifts in our life, whether it's the gift of marriage, the gift of our children, the gift of a career, a job. Those are all gifts that God has given to us, and we should protect them. We should always recognize that they're from God, and we need to do our best to protect these gifts. And of course, we have to protect it because we can be deceived. We can, we can be deceived. There could be people out there just like Ahab thinking, I don't need God. 
I don't need God to manage my money. I don't need to follow the Bible to understand how to use my money. I don't need to submit myself to God to know what to do with my money. I can do with it as I please. And if I want to give, I'll give. If I want to use it, I'll use it. And I can do these things. But we have to be careful because they can think that they're having fun and you think you're enjoying life and you think that you're doing what you want to do. But without God, all gifts become rotten. They, they will become rotten. They will rot itself out, just like that fruit. Once you open it up, once you open it up, it will become, it will start that process of becoming rotten in your life. And when you are not allowing God to control your life, if you're not taking care of these gifts, they will rot in your life. So God, I pray that you will help me. You will help me to understand this. Now, Jehoshaphat, he was the direct opposite of Ahab. Jehoshaphat said, Lord, all of these gifts that you've given to me, they're yours. And I give them to you. They're all yours. And whatever you give to me, God, I say thank you. Thank you that you have given them to me. I recognize that you're the owner of my entire life. I recognize that I'm just a steward. Yes, I sit upon a throne. And, and yes, I have a beautiful palace. But it's all given by you. You are the owner of everything that I have. Jehoshaphat understood that principle that all I have, everything belongs to God. And when you live your life that way, when you recognize that everything that you have is the Lord's, you will never know unbearable pain. You will never know the great agony that these that this world will face when everything that you have is God's, when you have given Him ownership of your life and everything in your life, you will experience freedom. You will experience peace. You will experience joy unspeakable and full of glory, and it will be for all times. You will never lose it. It will never run dry. It will always be there for you. Why? Because everything you have belongs to God. And He has it. And He is, and He's given it to you. Kind of sounds like the scripture verse you've, you've heard before. It says, if you lose your life, you will gain it. But if you try to take your life, if you try to gain your life, you will lose it. There are people out there who are trying to control their life. They're trying to control their, their relationships. They're trying to control their families. They're trying to control their money. They're trying to control everything. And by trying to control it all, they're losing it. They're losing control. They're trying to hold on to it. But you are not going to work it for yourself. It can't happen that way. And I want to tell you today, going back to Adam and Eve, it's because of sin. It's because of sin. It all works reverse now. We have, to, we have to overcome this sin issue. We have to overcome our sinful nature. In the very beginning, God gave us everything to receive it. Now, because of sin, we've got to give it back to God so that He can bless it and give it back to us as He sees fit. We need to understand this principle and say, God, help me to live this way. Help me to give you all of my relationships. Help me to give you all of my problems. And that's the beauty of this. When you give everything to God, it's everything. It's, yes, all your money. I give it to you, Lord. And whatever He gives back, He gives it to you. Yes, God, I give you my job. Yes, I give you all my relationships. 
And yes, I give you all my problems. I give you all of my difficulties. I give you all of my questions. I give you all of my doubts. I give you all of my worries. I give you all of my concerns. I give you everything. And when you live that way, you live in peace. And so Jehoshaphat was living in peace, unlike Ahab. Now the question that you might be asking is, what was a godly king like Jehoshaphat doing, hanging out with an ungodly king, King Ahab? It goes back to my original thought today, that this is a picture that I desire for our church. And I do have to share it with you and, and give you some principles. I mean, didn't Jehoshaphat understand what our parents used to teach us? That if you want to fly with the eagles, you can't walk with the turkey. I mean, didn't he know that, you know, godly character is corrupted by bad company? You know, how many of you heard the phrase, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future? How many, what other ones did your parents give you? Okay, nothing good happens after midnight, all right? Amen. Yeah, I mean, our parents are always giving us advice. They're always giving us this, these nuggets of truth, and they're so true in our life. I need to be careful of, of bad influences in my life, let alone children need to be careful. We need to guard that. We should be guarding those influences our kids have in our life, and I need to guard them in my life. That's why I don't, you know, go to Sox games, because I just want to make sure there's no bad influences in my life. All right, let's stay focused here. <laughs> but Jesus gave us a, another picture, just like Jehoshaphat. I'm going to come back to that picture. But Jesus, he, he modeled this perfectly for us. He was accused of being around ungodly people. He was accused of having bad company around him. But Jesus had great purpose behind it. He wanted to see lives transformed. He wanted to see lives changed. He wanted to see lives who had been affected by sin being lifted up by the righteousness of God. And so Jesus helped us to understand something, that we can be a godly influence to ungodly people. That is my desire for this church, is that you will be a godly influence to ungodly people. That's why you're here. That's why you are on this planet. You're here to be a godly influence and never forget that. That's job number one for you. That's why you have breath in your lungs on this earth. There's no other greater purpose than that. When you understand that, you will have peace and purpose and direction and strength. You'll be able to move forward. Your number one job is to be a godly influence at all times. That's it right there. Now, here's, here's some information and here's some principles that I, I've got to give to you that as you live out that prayer that I have for you, you still need to be careful. We still need to watch ourselves because the moment that those ungodly people begin to have an influence in our life that we begin to change and it's time to make an adjustment. It's time to, to do something different in our life. Now, there's two groups of people that we, I, I want you to think about. The first group of ungodly people are those people you have no choice. So this usually includes your people at work, could be people in your neighborhood, could be at your store, could be family. These are people you have no choice. You're, you're around these ungodly people. But I want you to know there is purpose behind that. And I want you to stay focused on that when you're around them. 
thinking, okay, God, how can I be a blessing? How can I be a light unto them? How can I help them to see that they need you in their life? The other group of people are those people that you choose to be around. You choose to be around ungodly people. And they could be from that first group. They're the people you go on, you go out for coffee. You shoot a round of golf with them. You go over to their house for dinner. You do different things so that you're around them. And you choose to be around them so that you can have the sole purpose of being a godly influence on them. That is your purpose. And Jehoshaphat shows us in this story how it is done. He gives us the perfect picture of being a godly influence to an ungodly person. And Jehoshaphat knew exactly who King Ahab was. He was evil. He was an evil king. And it's possible that Jehoshaphat maybe had some peer pressure in his life. I mean, think about how ungodly Ahab was and maybe the thought process in his mind of, well, what if Ahab, what if Ahab laughs at me for suggesting to seek the Lord? What if Ahab, even worse than that, what if Ahab wants to kill me? I mean, he killed Naboth for a garden. What would stop him from killing me for saying, no, let's pray? What if he gets upset with me? What if he kicks me out? What if he does something to hurt me? What if he does something that, that, does, that I don't like in my life? And those things were possible. There was peer pressure potentially in, in Jehoshaphat's life. But Jehoshaphat did not care what Ahab thought. He says, no, we're going to seek God first. We're going to seek God first. This is who I am. This is how I live my life. And I've been given this opportunity to show you how I live my life. And that is that, taking that great opportunity. And I'm just going to encourage you to do that. And no, I'm not asking you to be a nag. And no, I'm not asking you to do things that annoy people or become somebody that people avoid. But I want you to always be ready to seize the opportunity. And this was the perfect opportunity for Jehoshaphat to say, you know what? This is, I'm going to be an example to Ahab. I'm going to say, this is our time to pray. I'm going to seek the Lord. And Ahab, we know from last week, had moments with God. And I believe Jehoshaphat played a part in that journey, that spiritual journey that evil King Ahab had, that he had an influence on him. And that day came where he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, I repent of my ways. Now, here is our life before God. I believe our life, our life should be purpose-driven. And I'm encouraging you to do that. And as you involve yourself, as you open your life up to ungodly people, yes, you have to be careful of the influences they have on yourself. And Jehoshaphat did. Why was he able, why was he able to be strong in the Lord? It's because he had convictions. A godly king has strong convictions. Now, I'm going to share more about convictions next week. But I want you to know that Jehoshaphat had strong convictions. That's why he was able to entertain ungodly people. And next week, we're going to talk about building strong convictions in our life. But I just want you to know today, and I want you to have a... Start thinking about these, these questions that you might have. Are your actions a result of how you believe in God? Because that's what a conviction is. 
A conviction is, I believe something, therefore this is how I act. No matter what, no matter who's in front of me, no matter where I'm at, this is how I function in my life. This is who I am. That's why I, I believe in you. As I've encouraged you to stay in God's Word and pray every day, now I know with you being in God's Word, being rooted in the Lord, that you can now have strong convictions that won't be swayed by people of ungodly influence, but now you will be able to sway them. And God's going to help you to do this. God's going to give you the strength, and He's going to give you those opportunities. That's one of the reasons why the men's breakfast is, is important to me. It's because that's our time of holding each other accountable as men. That we're going to reach out to ungodly people. We're going to take opportunity to be a godly influence to those at work, those in our neighborhood. Wherever we go, a stranded car on the side of the road, and maybe I can help them change their tire and share Jesus with them. Whatever opportunity I am given, don't forget we're having breakfast burritos. In case I forgot, I don't know if I forgot to tell you that. But you know, from the men's breakfast to this morning, may we live our life saying, God, help me to be a godly influence to ungodly people. Now, if you're going to do that, if you're going to live your life that way, it has to start here. Because we have to understand that we're, we're no better than those people. I shared that message with you last week of, of God being merciful to Ahab. That God was merciful to him. That this wicked king, he did wicked and evil things. When he repented, God was merciful to him. I'm memorizing this scripture verse from Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 17, that simply says that Jesus said, and I didn't come to help the sick, but I've come to help those who are I didn't come to help. I've come to help those who are sick. I have come to help. I didn't come to help those who think they are righteous. I have come to help those who know they are a sinner. They know they are a sinner, and that's who God has come to help. So, two things right there. You need to know you are a sinner. You need to know that you need help. You need to know that God is the owner of everything in my life. You need to know that you don't own anything, that it's all a gift from God. You need to know that you have sinned against God and that you need His help. You need His love. You need His forgiveness. You need more of Him in His life. There's nothing in me that says, oh man, I've preached today. I don't need anything else. I, you know, I'm fine. I'm a good person. No, I need you more, God. I need your love and mercy. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need God's help. And when God is helping you, and when He's filling you with His love, and when He's blessing you and helping you to see the needs that you have in your life, then you need to know the other sinners around you. And say, Lord, I want to help them. I want to be a godly influence in their life. I want to seize those opportunities, just like Jehoshaphat. You seize that opportunity to say, no, we're going to pray today. I guarantee you, and maybe at the workplace it may not be appropriate, but maybe on your free time, I guarantee you, in this day and age, you will have opportunity to say to somebody, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's, let's talk to God. 
Let's, let's, let's seek God about that. Because there are so many needs out there. There's so many people that are hurting out there. I guarantee you, if you are looking for it, you will find the opportunity to pray with somebody this evening. I'm going to pray that God will give you that opportunity. I'm going to invite the band to come at this time. Come back up. Are your actions a result of how you believe in God? Does God have final say in your life? Are you living for God? Are you living knowing that He is the owner of everything? He owns it all. And I'm so grateful today that you're here because you're telling me you know He owns your time. And that's why you've come here today. And now I want you to also submit to God. I also know you own my job. You own my, my voice. You own my life. You own all of that I have. So use it. Use it so that I can be a godly influence to other people. No matter what I'm going through. No matter what I'm facing. And that's why we can rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul said, again I say it, <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord. Because nothing can stop us from doing our job. Nothing can stop us from doing the will of God. Nothing can stop us from being a godly influence. Nothing. We can do it wherever we are at. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray by your Spirit you'll begin to touch our life as we worship you, as we praise you. Lord, as we recognize that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, as we are humbled in your presence, as we recognize and know that we are a sinner. God, we need your help. We need you, God. We come to you, Lord. And there are friends, and there are family members, and there are co-workers all around us, God. And we want to help them, Jesus. We want to be a godly influence to them. We want to look for an opportunity to pray for somebody this week. Lord, we're just going to consecrate ourselves before you, Jesus.